Let us pray. God, I thank you for this chance to be here and to worship you. Lord, continue to speak into our hearts and our minds and our lives this day and each day. May my words be yours. In Jesus' name, amen. For the sermon this morning, I'm going to be focusing on our second reading from Hebrews chapter 11, particularly the beginning first three verses as the following verses really are, you know, kind of an argument, an explanation of the first three. And this is the book of Hebrews. Hebrews is a really interesting book. There's a lot of mystery surrounding it. Uh, we don't really know who wrote it. Uh, there's a lot of argument about that. Hebrews chapter 11 is a real famous passage in the, in the New Testament and certainly in Scripture when it comes to the issue of faith. It is often quoted and cited, examined and studied. In Hebrews, some scholars believe, may in fact be the one book of the New Testament that was written by a woman. And so there's your random fact of the day about Hebrews. But Hebrews is a really interesting book of the Bible, and I'm excited. It's in our lectionary in these coming weeks because there is such richness in this passage, such richness in this book of the Bible, as is in all of Scripture. When I was serving a church in Lafayette, Indiana, I had the privilege every summer of taking a week and going up to a middle school camp and serving as the camp speaker and pastor for a week. It was located kind of around the Syracuse North Webster area um, in Indiana, and it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. I remember fondly um, that Jessica was pregnant with Micah one of those summers, and so we kept the car parked close in case we had some extra adventure at camp. And, uh, you know, I have a massive fear of heights. I, I don't like heights so much. And, uh, and snakes and truck stop bathrooms, but that's another sermon. <laughs> and so, like a lot of camps, they have what they call kind of a challenge course or a high ropes course. And so, up in the trees, for some unknown reason, they, they build these elements that you can kind of go from tree to tree and walk across these things, and you climb up to reach the top of the trees. Don't know why people do that. And then, you know, usually at the end you have to get down, right? And so there's some, usually some sort of uh, illogical jumping off of this or zip lining down that to get down. And so this camp was no different, and you had a climbing wall that you climbed up, and you walked along these platforms of these trees, and the way you got down is a zip line. You literally were in a harness and tied to this wire, and you jumped off this platform and zipped down across the the pond and into the field, then they let you off. Again, illogical, I say. And, you know, of course, everyone knew my fear of heights, and the camp staff and the church leaders and my summer intern, who almost lost his job, uh, had a, a great privilege of trying to, you know, antagonize me about my fear of heights. And they would get the middle school campers, because this is easy with middle schoolers, to kind of play along. And so throughout the week, they were trying to get me to do this ropes course over and over again, and I would have none of it. Well, in a moment of sleep deprivation or pure insanity, I, I decided to give it a try. And so I start climbing this wall, and my body was not made for that center of gravity problem. And so I'd start climbing this wall, and, and I'm mumbling, perhaps, softly or aloud, words that are not of Christian value. And, uh, and you know, everybody is enjoying this moment. It, my intern actually took video footage of it that has been uh, destroyed. And... 
they would use the rope to kind of help me get up, and I got up to the top, and they said, okay, you don't have to do the trees. It's almost dinner time, and so you can just go down the zip line. And so they sat me at the edge of this platform about 70 feet off the ground, they said, all you got to do is jump. I was like, yeah, right. And I sat there for what was probably like an hour. I think it actually was. Jessica's nodding. She remembers this well. I might not have even jumped if the baby was coming. And so I'm, I'm sitting on the edge of this thing. And at this point, free time is over. It's about time for dinner. So hundreds of middle schoolers have gathered to egg me on. And of course, at this point, the camp staff is having a little extra fun with me. And the less than pastoral words continue to be in my heart and mind and occasionally out loud. And there was nothing that was going to get me to jump. All you got to do is slide up. This rope can hold an elephant. And I'm like, really? First off, are you calling me fat? Second, how have you tested that exactly? And so all you got to do is jump off. And I'm looking down and going, I love Jesus, but I'm not ready to meet him right now. And if I don't meet him by hitting the ground, I might meet him by having a heart attack. And, and so I'm sitting there, and at this point, dinner is being delayed because the camp pastor is stuck up in the trees. It's a true story, every ounce of it. And uh, finally, uh, I don't know, maybe perhaps with some assistance, I got off the platform and zipped down, screaming like a middle school girl the whole way until I was safely on the ground and praising Jesus and promising never to do it again. You see, this passage in Hebrews is really interesting because it talks about faith. And the issue of faith is a critical issue for us to think about. It is an essential thing for us to understand. The problem is our definition of faith, and when it says faith in the Bible, are a little different. Our kind of modernized, Americanized version of faith uh, is simply to have belief. But the word that's used throughout all of the New Testament, and, and it's a word that we'll, we'll wrestle with, especially as we study Galatians in the fall and Galatians 5, has nothing to do with belief. But we understand faith as belief, which is a bit flawed, and I'll get to that. I talked about it in children's time. We assume faith means belief. But, you know, I can believe in anything. I could have believed the story about the elephant. I could have believed it was going to be fine. But the action, the true definition of faith is a bit different. The Apostle Paul tells us, that the three greatest things are faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And that is most certainly true. But I would argue if love is the most important, then faith is surely a close second. And faith, hope, and love are deeply connected. They're interchangeable, especially in this passage. They One supports another. As you struggle with one, you struggle with the others. As you have great depth and strength with one, you're able to have strength with the other two that these three concepts of faith, hope, and love are deeply, deeply connected. I'm going to read from verse 1, and the translation I use, if you notice, is a little different than our insert, and we'll be addressing that in September. Uh, but this is important because this is uh, perhaps more accurate to what the writer was trying to say. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. We're called to have hope. And we're not always very good at that. We're called to have hope. But better yet, we're called to have confidence in that hope. We're called to have a confidence in that hope. 
You see, the word faith doesn't mean belief. The literal translation of the word faith in the scripture, in the New Testament, means to trust. And I can believe in anything, but trusting something is an entirely different thing. I can believe all I want. Trusting is an entirely different thing. To trust is certainly a much deeper action. And that is what faith is all about. That is the essence of faith, is to trust. And trust is much harder than belief. Trust is much more powerful than belief. The essence of faith is to trust. That word faith, every time it's in the scripture, it's, a, it's this little Greek word, and I know Greek words are not exciting and, and, and cumbersome, but the Greek word pistis or pisteo, every instance in scripture, we see in the New Testament the word faith, it's that word. And it literally means to trust. To trust. That faith means to trust. That's our act, is to trust. It's not simply belief. I can believe in God all I want. But to trust God is an entirely different thing. And that's what is needed, is to trust God. Verse 2. This is what the ancients were commended for. You see in the rest of the reading the stories of these great saints, Abraham and Isaac and Noah and John the Baptist and Peter and Paul. You see all these great saints of the faith. You are, our first reading is about the story, a little bit of the story of Abram before he's Abraham. And, and we have these great saints of the church, Mother Teresa and others. And we look to them and we wonder how they could have such great faith to be willing to sacrifice your son, to build a giant boat, uh, to lay your life on the line. I think of Mother Teresa and her faith, and I go, I surely could never measure up. But what the writer of Hebrews wants us to know is that the difference between them and the difference between us boils down to trust. It's not about passion or our strength or how spiritual we are or not. It's about how much we're able to trust God. And that like these great saints, what was commended, what they were commended for, what they were celebrated for, what they were honored for, were not their accomplishments, not their great bold acts, but their trust, their faith. It was their trust that mattered. Trust is what's really important. And I'll be honest with you, there are some ways that it is easier to trust God than others. If we were to think about this and think about ourselves, we would recognize that there are some things that it's easier to trust God with than others. We're all called to trust God. It is very easy for me in my current age to trust God with my health. It's very easy for me to trust God with my vocation, being a pastor. It kind of is a forced natural thing. It's easy to trust God with. For me, one of the things that's hardest to trust God with is my children. So often I want to kind of step in and take some control or give God the assistance that apparently he needs. And I want things to turn out well for my kids, and I want to help that, and I want to be a part of that. For whatever reason, and there are probably several, if I'm honest, it is hard for me to trust God with money. Always has been. We all have these areas where it's easier and more difficult to trust. But we're called to trust. That's what faith is. This issue of trusting God with money brings me to our gospel lesson. And in the gospel lesson, uh, verse 34, it's one of the 
one of the great, I, I, I never love just quoting one scripture. I think that's really dangerous for a lot of reasons. But boy, this verse is so good. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now I want you to do something for me, a little exercise. This is participation time. I promise it won't hurt. But if you have your wallet or your purse with you, I want you to go ahead and pull that out. And if you happen to have, you know, cash in there, don't worry, you get to keep it during the sermon, I promise. Okay? If you have cash in there, you know, pull out a bill. Uh, if you've got it, a one, a five, a ten, a twenty. Any old bill will do fine. If you have a fifty or a hundred, go ahead and pass it up to Jessica. She'll take care of that for you. <laughs> but um, I want you to go ahead and pull this out. I'm going to give you a second to do this because this is a helpful exercise as we think about the book of Hebrews in our gospel lesson. And when, when you pull your dollar bill out, I want you to flip it over to the back, which in my world means the part that doesn't have the you know, giant head on it. All right? You got your dollar bill. You're looking at the back there, right? And just in the center, just kind of halfway between the middle and the top usually, there's a phrase. Do you notice the phrase? What's the phrase? In God we trust. I find that the irony of this being on a government instrument is not lost on me, I promise. But I'll tell you, I find this fascinating. In God we trust. Because if we're honest, I think sometimes we trust this more than God. If we're honest, there's a lot of things that we trust more than God. And this is perhaps one of them. For my own confession about having trouble trusting God with money. Money and myself are things perhaps that I can trust because they're things I can control, I can have a handle on them. But even in this little note, this piece of paper, there's this call to trust God. And so I try to remember that when I pull this out to give it away for some good or unhelpful purpose, whatever it might be. In God we trust. You see, because where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. That which we treasure, that which we trust, says an awful lot about who we are and a lot about our heart. I like to say that God is my greatest priority, my relationship with God is my greatest priority, and then my family, and then my ministry, and all these other things. I love to say it, and I believe it with my whole heart. I believe, right? But honestly, if I look at my actions, I look at my priorities, I look at the way that I spend my time, I look at the things I do, sometimes uh, I notice that maybe it's not that which is most important to me. That maybe those things don't match up. That maybe I don't trust God as much as I think I do. Belief is easy. Trust is difficult. Think about human relationships. Trust is a very difficult thing. And there are things that we treasure. Think about the things that are the most important to you, the things that are hard to let go of, the things that you invest the most amount of time and energy into. Those are the things that you treasure. Those are the things that you trust. And the things that we treasure, the things that we trust, tell us an awful lot about our heart. They speak volumes about our heart, about who we are, about what matters to us the most. Jesus craves our trust. God is deeply passionate about our willingness to trust him. If I think about this, I realize that I need a whole lot more faith than I think. I need a whole lot more faith than I realize. And that faith comes not in belief, not in perfection, not in my actions, not in building a boat or 
being willing to sacrifice a child, but entrusting. That's where my faith grows. That's where I find abundant life. Not in success, not in money, not in the perfect family life. By the way, I don't have that yet. But in trusting. In trusting God. What is it that I need to trust God more with? What is it that you, that we need to trust God more with? What is it that the church, this church and all churches, need to trust God more with? Because the essence of faith is trust. That's what faith is all about, trust. To trust. That's what it means. It's that simple. The great theologian and writer C.S. Lewis said this, We trust not because we believe a God may exist, but we trust because we know that this God does exist. because of God that we can trust. It's because of God that we can have faith. Trust is our one courageous act. Trust is our one brave action. It is the one thing outside of love that we do. And God takes that trust and does the rest, makes the miraculous happen, makes the simple happen. And you know, it's interesting. The one thing I love about sharing God's word is that when you wrestle with it, it, it gets at you that most sermons I preach are really being preached right back at myself. And if I think about my life and when I've trusted God and when I've not, it's so obvious. Why, why have I missed this? When we made the transition here, we worked really hard to trust God better than we ever have. And it was so simple. Things fell into place more quickly, more easily, more miraculously than I ever could have expected. The difference? Trust. And I look at myself and I look at the scripture and go, why did it take me so long to figure that out? And I'll forget it tomorrow and have to relearn it the next day. We all struggle with trusting God. Where do you struggle with trusting God? Where do you need to learn to trust God more? It's our one great, brave, and courageous act to trust God. One of my favorite authors, in fact, my favorite author who changed my life the most significantly is a guy by the name of Brennan Manning. And Brennan wrote a lot of great stuff, especially on grace, because I'm one of those people, like a lot of Christians, the power of Lutheran guilt, that uh, maybe struggles to really accept God's grace for themselves. You can believe it, you can dispense it, but it's another thing to accept it yourself. And so he wrote this book called Ruthless Trust. It was one of the best books he ever wrote. I could read it over and over again. He passed away this April. It was a just, uh, he was just a great saint of the church. And he has this quote about trust that I want to read to you that, that I want you to hear. It's a complicated quote, so I'm going to read it twice. But I want you to hear these words that he has to say about trust. Trust is our one great act, that that's what Jesus is inviting us to. Here's what he says. The splendor of a human heart that trusts it is loved unconditionally by God gives God more pleasure than the Westminster Cathedral, the Sistine Chapel, Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, Van Gogh's Sunflowers, the sight of 10,000 butterflies in flight, or the scent of a million orchids in bloom. Trust is our gift back to God. And he finds it so enchanting that Jesus died for love of it. Hear these words again. 
The splendor of a human heart that trusts it is loved unconditionally gives God more pleasure than the Westminster Cathedral, the Sistine Chapel, Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, Van Gogh's Sunflowers, the sight of 10,000 butterflies in sight, or the scent of a million orchids in bloom. Trust is our gift back to God, and he finds it so enchanting that Jesus died for love of it. God's taking care of all that we have, all that we need. All we need to do is trust. All we need to do is trust. Where do you need to trust God? Where do we need to trust God? There is nothing greater, more powerful, and more bold, and more faithful than to trust God. Let us pray. God, we thank you for your word and the way that it challenges us, the way that it causes us to think and to grow. God, help us to be a people who trust you, thinking about those places where we need to trust you more. Give us the strength and the courage to have true faith that goes beyond belief but leads to trusting. In Jesus' name, amen.